0: You are listening to Seattle Sports Saturday, Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thanks for hanging out this morning, Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs. Taylor, this is the national yes. big three that we're about to get to, but it's kind of an international big three right now.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm live right now at the Sports Bar at Rogers Arena doing a show all by myself. Well, I got my co-host for my podcast here sitting next to me, Mm -hmm. so we're going to talk a little esports with the Vancouver Titans when they arrive here in an hour and a half is when they're going to get here, and the event starts in two hours, so... If you're a quick two-hour drive away from Rogers Arena, come on up, say hi, and uh, come play some games with some pro gamers and talk to Chappie and I, the the big stars of the event. Obviously, um,
1: yeah,
2: it's and uh, I, it, it's it's been quite a day, and the next few <laughs> days will be quite the experience for me. Mainly, if you don't know, I'm a Chiefs fan as well as a Seahawks fan. My dad's from Kansas City, so uh, getting to watch this Super Bowl next to my dad's going to be a cool experience tomorrow. And I'm hoping everyone's going to have uh, cool experiences watching this game as well.
1: Yeah, Ed Tay has been known to rock a Priest Holmes jersey. And yes,
2: that's uh, that's my alter ego. Yes, MC Priest, MC
1: Priest. Um, but
2: the brash, arrogant.
1: It is going to be an emotional weekend for you and. I think it's awesome you guys are up there. If you don't already listen to Tay's podcast and you are an eSports fan, I highly recommend it. Where can they uh subscribe?
2: Yeah, anywhere you're you're listening or downloading podcasts, look for the Joystick Club, like the Joy Luck Club, but Joystick. Yeah. And uh yeah, you can find us on Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, um Yeah. And you know, and we just got a new team here in Seattle, the Seattle Surge. So we're going to be talking a lot more about that team and just the local scene here in Seattle. Because with the new arena, when that's done, you're going to see, I think, a big, big impact in the esports community and what Seattle's role in that will be, um, will be exciting to watch because it'll be a world-class venue with a bunch of world-class companies in the area, uh, looking to, to, uh, host their events there.
1: Yeah, and we'll have a Seattle Surge event, a home match in April. So that's pretty soon, and we'll we'll discuss more on that. But we also have a big game to discuss tomorrow. Let's get to this hour's big three.
2: Number Number. one.
1: Super Bowl 54. Here we come. Kansas City versus San Francisco. Sunday, 3.30 p.m. start time, Pacific Standard Time at Miami's Hard Rock Stadium. We've got J.Lo, Shakira in the building going to be performing at halftime the real show but no, the 49ers elite defense versus kansas city chiefs high-flying offense andy Reid versus kyle shanahan patrick mahomes versus jimmy g a lot of great storylines emerging this week pat mahomes he's thrown for at least 270 yards 11 times in 15 full games meanwhile san francisco with their running attack uh they've running backs have rushed for at least 500 yards Uh, This season, San Francisco ranks second in the league in total yards allowed at 281.8, number one against the pass. So it just sets up for a really interesting matchup. You've got Andy Reid also battling against the uh, haven't won one yet and wanting to get over that hump and win that Super Bowl. So he is the emotional favorite for a lot of people. Kyle Shanahan is more of the new kid on the block and younger, but still, He also seems to have and be built into a lot of people's hearts because of what happened when he was part of that team in Atlanta and just experiencing a devastating loss in the Super Bowl in that regard. So Kansas City, a one and a half point favorite in the latest odds, Uh, the spread opened at one, but the over under 54 after climbing as high as 54.5, a lot of points probably going to be scored in this game. We know how Taylor is sitting right now in, mm-hmm. and pulling for Kansas City. Uh, I am as well because, as a Seahawks fan, I just I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't can't root for the Niners. And hopefully, if they lost in the Super Bowl, they might go the way of how the Rams did when they lost in the Super Bowl. But that's that's the NFC West and me talking. Uh, we'll be uh, able to watch tomorrow, three thirty p.m. that uh, Kansas City versus San Francisco game. Number,
2: Number two. two. Well, the big news of the week nationally, and I think internationally as well, Kobe Bryant passing away in a helicopter crash on Sunday afternoon. His daughter, Gianna, Gigi for short, also in the helicopter as well, as well as seven others, uh, including the Orange County um, baseball coach. And uh, this was a tough... Tough week for a lot of people, specifically me, and I'm a huge basketball fan, and I'll be the first to tell you, I told Lydia on Monday that I hated Kobe Bryant, that he would come to Seattle and destroy the Sonics, that he was a, a thorn in my side, and yet... After the Sonics left, I found myself falling in love with the game even more, and respecting Kobe's game so much more after the Sonics left, um, and realizing what he truly was able to accomplish uh, in his time in the league, which was incredible, and now the impact outside of the game will be talked about for a long time. And. Look, this is a, it's a tough week for a lot of people. It's, I think it reminded people of a lot of things that are important in life, family, friends, you know, health, community, those types of things. So cherish them. I I think we heard it from LeBron last night that, you know, he ended the speech after the game saying, you know, Kobe ended his by saying Mamba out, but we're going to end ours by saying never forget. So we're not going to forget Kobe and the impact he had on the game. And, uh, I'm just uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the NBA does to honor him going forward and the level of play that I'm hoping to see from the NBA because of um, Kobe Bryant and who he was. Number three.
1: Now, Tay, you actually know a little bit more about the story because it just came out this morning. Do you want to take this uh, one away?
2: Yeah, of course. So in uh, an interview coming out this morning with Justina Anderson, now sort of, free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown actually came out and faulted himself, took a lot of blame for the way he's acted since September. Uh, And he says he actually owes the entire NFL an apology for his past behavior and bringing in criticism, unnecessary criticism to the league. Um, Look, I think this is a great first step for Antonio Brown to, to get back to being fully healthy mentally and physically um, it's going to take a lot of work and, and if, if the past few months are any sort of sign um, he's had a bit of trouble and some of that is, and probably most of it is, is can be attributed to mental health and is he mentally in the right space and is he getting the help that he needs and deserves and I'd say this is showing me that people are starting to get through to Antonio Brown and they're starting to finally get him to accept that some of the things he did in the past 100, 120 days, uh, they haven't been good, both for him, his brand, the league. Um, It's sort of just been a, 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 I don't want to say a black eye, but just sort of a, a downfall in this season and one of the sad parts. And he is so talented and. He has made mistakes and will most likely have to pay his dues for those mistakes. But, you know, you want to see people get right. And uh, I don't think we want to see anyone falter. So I think this is the best opportunity for him to be better and to take that next step forward.
1: Yeah, the show will always be advocates for mental health and for talking about those, even though those subjects have been taboo in the past. I think we are changing as a society and we're getting more comfortable having those conversations, which is great. But this is also not to take anything away from the potential accusations that have been filed against him, right? Mm -hmm. He, Yeah,
2: no, he's going to have to pay some time for that.
1: Exactly. He, It's Brittany Taylor who filed a civil suit in Florida accusing him of sexually assaulting her on three occasions in 2017 to 2018 and allegations of sexual misconduct from another woman that soon surfaced after that. That's when the Patriots released him and he's been out of football since. And I think the thing that also just kind of troubled me about this interview was that he denied both accusations, but also kind of said he was being targeted. Um, And that's the part that again, not feeling any sort of like responsibility. We saw the video that was posted of him. He said that I feel like I've never really got into a conflict with a woman in this interview. So there's still some, yes, some things that are concerning and troubling. And of course, being in the right um, mental state of health and having the, the treatment and that you need is important, but we're also not taking away from what he's been accused of or mitigating it by any means. Correct, so, yes. <clears throat> and,
2: yeah. and there are certain things he's going to have to, like I said, pay up before he can, I think, get back into the good graces of the NFL and NFL fans. I think he, there's he can do it. He's young enough, but it's going to take a lot of work both internally and externally focusing on himself and where he needs to be better and focusing on where he can be better in his community and be a a true role model and leader for all those people who did look up to him because he was one of, if not the one of the more talented wide receivers of this decade. And it's unfortunate that this was sort of the end quote unquote to his story that he just disgracefully leaves the league and that's it. So I I want to see. I, look, I always want to see the redemption story. I want them. I want him to go through the the actual justice system and have to pay whatever he owes to society. And then if he does that, he earns a chance for a second opportunity to try and get back in, or maybe even it's a third or fourth. But. You know, giving people another opportunity. I think so often we write people off and don't give them the opportunity to learn from their mistakes and better themselves. And I think if we do that, we're doing everyone a disservice. So um, just try and, I think the moral of the story, try and treat people better. And I think in doing so, it will make you feel better as well.
1: Absolutely. Other uh, mentions that we should have on on storylines. Dusty Baker was introduced as the Astros manager. We had heard that news, but officially sitting down in his press conference with owner Jim Crane to talk about why he is the right person for that job after the sign-stealing scandal. They're still in the current search for a new GM after Jeff Lena was let go and, of course, assistant GM Brandon Taubman also with a one-year suspension um, from from baseball if he ever gets mm-hmm. back into it. Uh, it was an interesting press conference, I think, because they talked a lot about how you know Dusty Baker will have to come up to speed on certain analytics things. At the same time, Dusty's saying that, well, analytics have been always a part of the game. It just has taken a different format, or we've called it something different. So he feels ready to to take on that challenge, and we'll see. We'll see. I think that the the full repercussions of this whole scandal have still not been felt, and it'll be very interesting to see, game one, what you know when, Ash, when the Astros actually yeah, take the field, what what happens? Yeah. Because are people
2: going to throw inside on them? I mean, you know, I the, hope the not. Sweet chin music. I yeah. don't.
1: I am not a uh, unwritten codes person in baseball. I don't. I think the whole retaliation thing is eye for an eye is you know dumb because usually it's not. Uh, it will in this case aside, it's not the person that actually hurt you or committed said uh, problem. You're beaming another player on the same team as somebody, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think uh, it'll just be fascinating. Baseball's creeping up right around the corner and pitchers and catchers' report date. So, obviously, here in Seattle, we'll see plenty of the Astros because they're in our division. Also this week, some CBA discussion coming up, and the 17-game season possibility was floated around. We've got some great sound from Richard Sherman. uh, Speaking up about the hypocrisy of the league placing this focus on player safety but also advocating for the 17-game season, we'll play you that. Up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, it is the Super Bowl tomorrow, the biggest football game of the year. We've got a little preview. Look at it. The best sound that we heard coming out of Radio Row this week, including why Jimmy G sucks at tes- texting. It's next <laughs> on the Blitz, right, or next on Seattle Sports Saturday. Get it right, Lydia, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs.
1: On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs alongside you. I'm going to get the name right.
2: That's okay. I think you were thinking about NFL Blitz, one of the best football games ever, as Ooh. we head into one of the biggest NFL games ever. little N64 Super Bowl. action. Yeah, yeah. I was more of a Blitz 2000 fan, though. I think right. the, the second iteration I enjoyed more.
1: That's fair. You know, agree to disagree. That's fine.
2: That's oh, fine. okay.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of that big game tomorrow, Taylor also invested on a personal level because your family from Kansas City.
2: Yes. And
1: uh, they've been Chiefs fans. And it's are finally there. And you yeah. must feel sort of, I don't know, a little uh, sense of relief. Not yet, because you haven't won the big game. But
2: yeah, no, it's it's this weird feeling because, especially for my dad, you know, um, it's been fifty years. It's been fifty years since his team has made it to the Super Bowl. I want Seahawk fans to think about that for a second, okay? Fifty years from now, going back to the Super Bowl for the first time, okay? He was eleven years old. I believe he was eleven when the, they went the first time. So <laughs> it, it's uh, it's going to be special. First of all, just we we talked about family in the last segment and with the Kobe Bryant news earlier this week i think sort of put everything into perspective and i think you and i mean specifically i know you and i had a had an adjustment in our thinking on sunday and how we needed to reach out to our friends and our family and tell them how much they mean to us and now the next version of that is now i get to sit next to my dad and <laughs> watch a super bowl with him his team in the super bowl and, yeah, I mean, he may be getting his first Super Bowl title since he was a little kid and just what that means, what it means to be an NFL fan and to be a long-suffering NFL fan because there are a lot of teams out there who haven't haven't won a Super Bowl yet. And there are people who haven't even seen their team go to a Super Bowl yet. And it's just you've got to take these opportunities and these, these moments and you got to really appreciate them because they don't come all, all along a whole lot, Um it's just it's special you know what i mean and i know people here in seattle wish the hawks were there and i wish it was the seahawks versus the chiefs that would be my dream super bowl but uh we're here and i think you know the seahawks are always going to be in that conversation as long as russell wilson's healthy to be one of those teams that's what it's all about right the path may be different and we'll get into the paths these two teams took to get here but uh There seems to be a way that this team can get back to a Super Bowl. Um, We'll discuss more on
1: that, by the way. At, like, 11, I think we're going to compare the paths of both the the Niners and the Chiefs and how they got there and which one the Seahawks could most easily replicate or emulate.
2: Yeah, and I think while you're watching this game, too, there's so many things you're going to be looking for, right? Like, no Tom Brady or or Peyton Manning or a Manning brother at all. It's going to be a new generation of QBs.
1: Yeah, just a few years ago, we were... The, the major sports winners it was the patriots it was the warriors and i think it was i can't remember who won on the the hockey side one of those years but it was like okay people who have won several times are are winning this is a this is the year of the winners and then this past year we saw the blues win mm-hmm. the stanley cup we saw the raptors win their championship we saw the nationals win it in in the world series so mm-hmm. it feels like this year is ripe for for some upsets and some great storylines. So I think, like, the the Chiefs, the Niners haven't won one in in since the 80s, right? But Mm -hmm. still, that's not the same as 50 years of not being back. So I feel like, at least if we're talking the trend of of great storylines, that this one is on the side of the Chiefs. Now, if you're going with more of the Vegas numbers, uh, Mm -hmm. then those are – on the side of the Chiefs as well, at least slightly. They're a one and a half point favorite uh in the latest odds. ESPN's football power index, uh, they predict a Chiefs victory in sixty four point eight percent of their simulations by an average of five points though. Wow. Um but that's the heaviest favorite that FBI has predicted in a Super Bowl since the metrics inception, which was back in two thousand and nine. Um still pretty fascinating and the fact that um these two teams are got to, the, to where they are in very different manners, I think is fascinating. We get to watch one of the Well, actually, I'd say both coaches are two of the more innovative offensive minds that exist in football today, mm-hmm. but you also have the, the stout defense, the 49ers, the run game that is a little bit, in some people's minds, old school, and then you have the Chiefs who have turned around their defense within the span of a year and making yeah. some drastic moves to do it. I think that, too, is one of those storylines that the Seahawks fans can grab a hold of and, and, and hope that you can, you can turn around a very bad to mediocre defense in the span of the year. And we'll talk more about that at 11. As for this actual game and the storylines mm-hmm. coming out of it, we got plenty of great sound this week, which I just want to play a couple of the highlights for you uh, before we get out of here. One, we got to hear Andy Reid's take on Tommy Bahama shirts.
0: They're great for big guys. Tommy Tommy Bahama must have had a big grandfather. Cause... Yeah, it is. I love Tommy
2: Bahama. Yeah, comfortable.
1: Comfortable. Yeah. Mm. I don't think they True. are exclusive to big guys. I'd say that you can you can wear them if you want to. It's a it's an attitude. It's more than it is like an actual frame size.
2: Yeah, and uh, when I played uh, when I did Hawks Live with Shaquille Griffin. Uh, this past season I asked him because he if you look at him he's swagged out right he's got Mm -hmm. the Gucci outfits on he's looking crisp and clean every time he comes in for a game and to me I'm like hey you know I'm trying to get there I I got some shoes can what can I do to take that next step to being cool and he told me just be confident be confident in yourself be confident in who you are and yeah, th- these two teams are definitely confident with who they are. You look at the Chiefs and that offense, they doesn't matter how many points they're down. Patrick Mahomes has that team believing in him and believing that anytime he touches the ball, they have a chance to score seven points. So and then on the flip side, that defense, right? Adding all those top first round draft picks. You add Richard Sherman, you get a D-ford from the Kansas City Chiefs and then this is what you get you get a, a team that's got a an opportunity and a few years of a window to try and take advantage of some of these things before they got to start paying some of these draft picks so
1: yeah you have to like you talk about the attitude you almost have just the biggest frat party going on with the 49ers whether it's like Nick Bosa celebrating and then you've got George Kittle doing every first down and you have mm-hmm. it's Kyle Yuscheck it's just it's like a giant frat party there but uh, it is because they are really good, and they deserve yes. to celebrate on all those occasions. Speaking of funny sound, though, George Kittle letting us know that Jimmy Garoppolo, well, he might be great at quarterbacking. He might have great hair, but he's not so great at texting. He is the worst texter of all time.
2: I'm telling you, he leaves me on red all the time. I'm like, hey, Jimmy, I got a question. Uh, maybe on this play, should I run my route like this? No response. Jimmy, you want to go to a movie? No response. And then the next day, he's like, yeah, I got your text. I just didn't respond.
0: Thanks,
1: Jim. That's awesome.
0: So yeah, he's a bad texter, bad communication.
1: He has to be bad at something, right?
2: Yeah, you can't be that good looking and a good quarterback and be one of the highest paid players and do that. Be an amazing texter.
1: Yeah, yeah, you gotta have
2: a flaw. But I know, you know. Paul Gallant and some other people have been reading into the chiefs maybe being overconfident if the qb and the star receiver aren't even on texting terms and can't text each other back what sort of uh, what, what sort of offense yeah. can we expect from this 49ers team because <laughs> A text is pretty easy. I could text you right now while we're Mm -hmm. on air, and it would be pretty easy. It could be two words. That's still a text message. It's a response. This
1: is the hard-hitting analysis you came for, okay? We're looking between the emojis here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Between the three
2: dotted lines. (laughs)
1: Yes. Uh, Final piece of sound we need to play for you is former Seahawk Richard Sherman. Speaking with one fan on media on the, I think it was maybe the Tuesday, but, man, I loved this sound. This guy Clearly, Seahawks fan upset about the breakup and Richard Sherman playing into the bit, which I really love.
0: I also want to say this. I'm a huge Seahawks fan. I know I messed up. Okay, I I still care about you and and I I know I made some mistakes. Okay, And if if you give me another chance and if if you just think about coming back, I promise I'll treat you right. I just want you to think about that, okay? I really appreciate that, and I'm and and I and i so thankful for the time we had. You know, it was, it was such an incredible relationship. Um, it had its ups and it's had its downs. And right now, you know, the relationship I'm in, I'm so happy and I'm, I'm so thankful for the people I have with me. And, and they, they came to me at a time when I was really down and out, and they didn't give up on me. And, and, and you know, there's something about that that you can just appreciate genuinely. And, and so... You know, I just try to focus on them right now. I don't have time to get about the My mom misses you. <laughs> Everybody back in Seattle misses you, and we, we love you and we miss you, and we hope that someday you'll you'll give us another chance. I, I, and I'll still love them too, you know. But it's just it's just a hurt, and the the scar is still there. And and the love I have right now, I'm really focused on the present and. And that's all my attention can take right now. I respect that you had to do what you had to do at the time. I appreciate But we'll be there waiting for you. I appreciate that. All right. I love you, Richard.
1: That's like the most amical, complimentary breakup ever there.
2: Yeah. That's like the most Seattle thing I've ever heard in my yeah.
1: whole life,
2: too. Just like, <laughs> hey, like, I know you you did us wrong. And, like, that's okay. But we still love you. We'd still have you back. Yeah. we still think about you. Like, all of those mm-hmm. things feels very Seattle. But, uh...
1: And him you know, being like, uh, he he could also have plenty of cause to feel upset too. Both parties could, but at the same time, just expressing love and and regret, and that's just great. I loved it.
2: Yeah, and um, it's, this is a. It's good. I can't believe the Super Bowl is on Sunday, Lydia. It's I'm on not, Sunday, pro-
1: and we will be watching some formers. We will be watching Sherm in that Super Bowl, potentially winning a Super Bowl with a different team. It's it's hard an ex-Seahawk,
2: yeah. An ex Seahawks win it in the Super Bowl, no matter the way you cut it, Frank Clark or Sherman will get a title outside of Seattle, guaranteed. One of them this year. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they say about Seattle and their time here. Who, depending on who wins, um, but I, I honestly think that both will still be complimentary. Sherman's maybe a little more backhanded, but I still think both of them will talk about their time in Seattle being truly um, constructive and uh, beneficial to them.
1: Absolutely. Coming up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, the world, not just the country, mourning the loss of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others that died in a helicopter crash on Sunday morning. We've had you know, a few days to to reflect on it. Taylor generously coming on my show on The Blitz on Monday, and we were both pretty emotional that day, but now we've had a, you know, about a week to to reflect on it, and we want to play you some of the best sound that we heard this week in tribute to Kobe Bryant. And his legacy, including some sound from Seattle, Seattle Sonics related Gary Payton, mm. also Kevin Calabro and Kobe Bryant's interview with him. You do not want to miss it. It's next right here on Seattle Sports Saturday.
0: Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs
1: on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to Seattle Sports Saturday. Welcome back. Hopefully, if you're just joining us, thanks so much. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs, alongside with you this morning. Shout out to Curtis Rogers, who is at the Super Bowl in Miami this weekend. Pretty cool that we are all in different locations right now. Yeah, so...
2: Yeah, all over the place. <laughs> Curtis and I in different corners. You just right there at home, and uh, yeah, quite the uh, quite the weekend. Super Bowl weekend. Lots happened this past week in the sports world. So uh, let's let's get right into it, Lydia.
1: Absolutely. And the the news last Sunday, it, it will be one of those moments that you kind of remember where you were, who you were with, and what you're experiencing when when the news of Kobe Bryant passing away in a helicopter crash. Mm -hmm. you know came across the wire and the stages of grief that you're going through the denial definitely being an extended portion of it wanting to hear that that's fake wanting to hear that you know it's just something i mean as terrible as that would be uh, that it's misreported and just saying "This this can't be real this can't be real uh kobe bryant his daughter gianna and seven others and Lost in that helicopter crash early Sunday morning, the details of which it could take a couple weeks, a couple months for, you know, the, the federal investigation of what exactly happened. And we don't want to speculate on that, but just absolutely devastating news Monday morning. It's one of those days where it's hard to come to work. You know, it's important, but you have to and you have to talk about these things. Taylor graciously getting up really early to come in um, and talk with me at 630 a.m. on my show on the Blitz. And you're pretty emotional Tay. A week later, how mm-hmm. do you feel?
2: Yeah, I think I've. Oh, I'm still pretty emotional. Um, I'm not gonna cry in the segment. Well, I'll try not to cry. But, it's okay uh,
1: if you do. This is a, this is a safe space.
2: Yeah, I, I think. Again, I mentioned at the beginning of the show. I mentioned it in the segment that I just loved basketball so much. It's what it is. My favorite sport and watching. Kobe do do and the things he did to the Sonics and, and what happened here for the time between you know him and Ray Allen, you know I had this sort of weird relationship with Kobe Bryant where he was such a thorn in my side like he as a mm-hmm. Sonics fan he caused me so much pain and they were so good and he was so dominant that. It was hard to like him until we lost the team, right? In 2008, we lose lose the Sonics, and now we have a chance to sort of look at the NBA from a different perspective. There's no team here. There's no sort of local bias. And that's really where I started to grow to respect Kobe Bryant, the player. And he was so fantastic at the game of basketball. And one thing I do want to mention, and, and it's part of his legacy, is that he was accused of one of the more heinous things that you can do to a woman. Um, And if you are going through any sort of issues like that, if you're going through any sort of emotional stress because of the Kobe situation and how much press it's been getting and it's sort of opening up wounds, just know that lifewire.org is always there for you. Um, You can talk to them at any time. Feel free to call them or Lydia and I always keep our DMS open. If you just need a friend to talk to, if you want to complain, vent anything, honestly, we're here for you. So, um, and I think it put that into perspective. I think putting those things into perspective about, you know, what Kobe meant to the game and what an ambassador to the game he was. And we have some sound clips here about him talking about, you know, the city of Seattle yeah. and, and what Seattle meant to the game of basketball and what that sort of vacancy
1: did to the NBA. Yeah, if you want to talk about your memories of, you know, being specifically a Sonics fan
2: mm. and,
1: and watching those moments, watching... ugh. Oh, Kobe just drained three after three on the Sonics, and that the the chest pound, you know that mm-hmm. that uh the as a if you're it's, he's one of those guys that if he is on the opposition, you know in an instant you would love him on your team, but on the opposition because he is so good, it's just it could be heartbreaking and devastating to watch. He chatted with Kevin Calabro back in 2009 um, and talked specifically about. The, the 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 crime that it was that Seattle no longer had a basketball team.
0: What are your feelings about Seattle no longer being a part of the NBA? I can remember some great games. Uh, yeah, you know, it's such a rich – they have such a rich basketball history. It's tough to, to envision uh, the city of Seattle not having a basketball team. You know, the crowds have always been very great. And, um, you know, it's been a tough place to play you know, for us for years. And they've had so many historical games and championships there. So, um you know, hopefully one day basketball come back to the to the city of Seattle. But you know, until then everybody's welcome to become Laker fans for now. <laughs> you came in when you come into town everybody had purple and gold on. <laughs> it was incra- it was crazy. It was insane.
1: <laughs> Collaboral also asking him about what his fondest memory of playing uh, the Sonics was. You no, know, for
0: me the, the 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 fondest memory which really wasn't fond at all, was my first experiences of guarding Gary Payton up there at the mm-hmm. arena and you know, he just took me to school. <laughs> I mean it was like over and over and over and they just kept posting him up and he just kept spinning on me and shooting left hand runner, right hand runner, you know, turnaround fadeaway, scoop shot. I mean he was just schooling me. There's nothing I could do and I kept trying and trying. And the harder I tried the more he kept taking me to school and it was just such a uh learning experience for me. That that's probably my fondest and, and worst memory <laughs> of uh playing the supersonic.
1: Gary Payton also speaking this week about, about his experience not only competing against Kobe, but alongside with him, how he ended up being sort of like a, a little brother to him. But this is his response to that, too, about, about being on the other side of that and competing against Mamba.
0: I posted him up one time, and, and I prayed away, and I said, Young Buck, you're going you gonna to have to learn this one. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know I'm going to learn it. You know I'm going to learn it because, you know, you did it. That was, that was great, and I'm going to get it and put it on other people. And for me to come against him every year, every year and, and compete before I got Whitty, uh, it was just it was just a pleasure because he was always the one that wanted to compete. I looked forward to competing against him because I knew he was going to come out and have that that competitiveness all the time. And then when I got to play Whitty, you know, I got to meet the, the Kobe Bryant, just the Kobe Bryant, and, and that was good.
1: I think too, one of the things that really struck me in the the tribute to him last night watching pregame the Lakers taking the court for the first time hearing LeBron's speech ahead of that game um, was the evolution of Kobe not just as mm-hmm. a competitor but as a human being and and the end, towards the end of the tribute seeing where his focus really was turned where he was about being a dad and because he's a competitor because he is obsessed with being the best he took that focus to his family and being the best possible dad being the best girl dad uh, that he could be. And if you haven't seen Elle Duncan's tribute to him, or she spoke about uh, how Kobe was so proud to be a father of daughters and, mm-hmm. and was so, you know, just, yeah, unspeakably proud of, of his family and his daughters and each of them in their own talents and own rights, but his connection with Gianna uh, about the team. This was from Jimmy Kimmel when he was talking, uh, I think it was a couple years ago about his relationship with Gianna and her being, you know, uh, the, a little embodiment of the mama mentality as well. Do you think your
0: daughter might want to play in the WNBA? Right. She does for sure. She does? I, I mean, this, this kid, yeah. man. She's Wouldn't like, that be great? Dude, man, I, I'm telling you. The, be, the, best thing, the best thing that happens is when we go out and, and, and fans will come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like, Hey, you got to have a boy. You and V got to have a boy, man. You have somebody carry on the tradition, the legacy. She's like, oh, yeah. I got this. That's right. Yes, you do.
1: Yes, you do. You don't need a boy for that. I got this. I love it. Yeah, that was to me, of course, not taking away from what he did on the court. The fact that he brought an entire city together, a very diverse city, socioeconomically, uh, racially, ethnically. But the fact that he also off the court, legendary to me, was the best possible dad, I think, is incredible. And what he did to advance the the women's game and, and supporting the WNBA, supporting women basketball players was was really cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was a good father, and that's one thing I hope to be one day. He was a great ambassador to the game. I don't know if I'll have the opportunity to be that one day, but like there are just so many things he was able to do. And, again, it, they weren't all perfect. He was human. He did have errors and flaws, and he did – You know, he was accused of committing a a heinous crime, and I think that's important to take the whole story into perspective here, that he wasn't flawless, he was human, and I think that was the thing that made him most relatable to basketball fans, is that in some way, you could see yourself in Kobe Bryant, and I think, you know, we got to take advantage of those athletes who, who bring us together like that, and enjoy the time when they're playing, and Look, I know that we've been having a lot of fun the past few years debating and arguing Kobe versus LeBron versus Jordan, and I think we should put that conversation to bed just for a little bit and let the legacies play out because yesterday I think LeBron James took another step in his career in being such a great representative for not only the NBA but the Lakers organization and to truly be the face of that team and to take – this tragic loss, and to somehow turn it into a motivating factor for the Lakers to hopefully run to a championship and honor Kobe that way. So,
1: yeah, the uh, the Lakers ultimately falling in that game yesterday to yep. the Trailblazers. Damian Lillard just going off, and uh, they came up victorious one twenty seven one nineteen. He spoke after the game that, I mean, that was what Kobe would have wanted, right? He's the ultimate mm-hmm. competitor. You can't just uh, roll over and let another team win, or or. He wouldn't want the Lakers to win by default just because of this, this night and the emotion behind it. But I think, yeah, I think everybody will be a Lakers fan the rest of this year because how can you not be with everything that that team is experiencing going through in the city of L.A.? I think a lot of people are still rooting for the Clippers as well, but it's going to be fascinating and a pretty emotional story to watch for the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, I hope, and this is, you'll probably never hear me say this again, but this is the season I hope the Los Angeles Lakers win the NBA title and give that city something to celebrate, to honor Kobe, to honor Gigi, to honor the seven other victims in the terrible accident, um, to bring an NBA title to L.A. and to dedicate it to to those people who tragically lost their lives. I think that that would be the ultimate sign of respect.
1: Coming up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, we have the Super Bowl tomorrow. What are your favorite non-Super Bowl, Super Bowl things to watch? I know that sounds like a complex question. Everything not football-related-wise, what are you looking forward to about tomorrow? We answer that question next on Seattle Sports Saturday.
0: Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs.
1: On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs, alongside with you. Thanks for hanging out this morning, getting you ready for the Super Bowl tomorrow with the hard-hitting journalism. Uh, mm-hmm. What are you looking for that's non-football related tomorrow?
2: Your favorite non-football things. We're talking football.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, Super Bowl is just that, though. It is the biggest game of the year for so much more than what actually takes place on the field. The the pageantry, the fanfare, the prop bets, the commercials. Everything about it, the halftime performance, Mm -hmm. what do you look for or what gets you excited about Super Bowl Sunday that is totally un-football related?
2: I do, first off, I love the prop bets. I think they're so fun. This is like the one time I think sports gamblers sort of, they don't take it easy, but they take a step back and almost have fun with it, that Mm -hmm. they're betting on the flavor of the Gatorade, the color of the microphone, like those does mean nothing. It's absolutely just uh, it makes no difference at all, and yet it's fun to sort of watch that. There's the game within the game, and I love seeing that. And I also love, surprisingly enough, I love the halftime shows that they've been doing recently. They've been great.
1: Yeah, it, and this year it will be J-Lo. It will be Shakira yep. in Miami. And you expect it to in- get loud.
2: It's Hips get- will move.
1: Uh, Hips will not lie, Taylor. No, Uh, no lies. No, they will tell no lies on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I I think if you are a football fan, if you're not, there's a reason this game attracts most of America. There's a reason Mm. most people are tuned in on Sunday, and there's always something people can find. I, too, am a huge fan of the prop bets, the more ridiculous ones. I feel like the better. Of course, you've got the classic, what color will the Gatorade be, is it heads mm-hmm. or tails on the coin toss? How long is the national anthem going to go? Will anybody omit a word? And- How about
2: this one? Will there be a drive in the Super Bowl that lasts less time than the national anthem?
1: Ooh, yep.
2: Will there, so essentially, uh, I think the line is at like 2 minutes and 15 seconds for Demi Lovato's national anthem. So will there be a drive that's less than 2 minutes and 15 seconds? I would take yes.
1: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but I these two I,
2: teams? You never yeah, know.
1: You never know. There's even ones that are specific to the broadcast. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman gonna be on the call. They talk about well will either of them speak Spanish during the broadcast? Mm. Will they bring up Tom Brady? Will they mention the Patriots? Uh I just I'd love it. Yeah, you can't yeah. If, if there's a way to get you invested in every single moment and second and outcome of the game, then that's, uh, that's fun for me, whether you actually are betting or not, you know, we're not saying we're not advocating for that, but just no. even to follow along on the, uh, on r- the ridiculousness of how people are invested, I think is amazing.
2: Yeah. That's what I like doing. I like just texting with the friends, getting their ideas and then just sort of John back and forth, you know, sort mm-hmm. of a pride type thing. Exactly. Um,
1: how about the commercials? Yeah, no. Are you a big, are you a yes. big commercials fan? Okay. I
2: do like the commercials, yes. And And Ad Time's
1: um, creeping up to about $5 million, I think, on average for a 30-second spot.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't pay that much. No, no, no. But. I would love to see more funny commercials. You know, you always get some good ones from Doritos, and, you know, Anheuser-Busch has their whole collection of commercials. And But it'll be interesting to see um, if there's any sort of newcomers to the commercial game and to the uh, sort of advertising scene, because you know the big ones, Coke and, like we mentioned, Anheuser-Busch and all of those ones. But will there be a company that jumps out that isn't really supposed to be there, that buys an ad there. I'd love to see stuff like that.
1: Was there one that stood out to you last year or something, or in recent years in general, that really comes to mind when you think of,
2: wow, that was Super original? Bowl commercials. Yeah, that's a good, good question. Well, I know we won't find out what's going to happen with Mr. Peanut. That's been scrapped. Mm, so for okay. those people looking to find out what happens to... Uh, Mr. Peanut, I don't think you're gonna get there, but uh, to me, two commercials jump out as far as all-timers Super Bowl commercials. The Budweiser was up, guys. I mean, that was just sort of like pre-pre internet meme spiral sensation, and then the Darth Vader kid.
1: Oh yeah! Wow, turning
2: on the car with the force and being really scared—that was awesome. I loved that commercial, and I know uh, people talk about you know the. Coca Cola Kid with Mean Joe Green, and there's a whole bunch. You know the 1984 Apple commercial. I think the first
1: time we saw the E Trade babies yes. was at the Super Bowl, and that one really too. I mean, they, they probably drilled like that one a little too. You know, they they mined that one a little too much. But the yeah. very first one was hilarious, and I was a I was a big supporter. If you've got a favorite one, text in seven ten seven ten, and we're forgetting, yeah. oh, I'm the- sure many.
2: The puppy, the puppy following the Clydesdales—that's yeah. another. I mean, good anytime one.
1: you incorporate dogs, oh. you suckered us in. I'm already emotionally bought in.
2: Yep, I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about you, Lydia? I know we mentioned the the, the prop bets and some of the uh, Super Bowl commercials, but is there anything else in the Super Bowl that you look forward to other than the game itself?
1: I just like the whole atmosphere and usually the social element of watching with people on the day. I think mm-hmm. that's the best part of sports. It's community. It's social. It's uh, whether you host a party at home, whether you go somewhere, which, by the way, please, everybody be safe on Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Um, but that that whole element of sports community, I think it's just amplified times 100 on Sunday. It does. Just, it's not typically a game that you watch by yourself alone at home. It is... And that's the part that I love. Whether I'm going to a party, I love to watch how other people take in football mm-hmm. um, during the game. Especially if you personally are not as emotionally invested. I know Tay, yes. you get to you get to have some emotional investment with your dad yeah. and uh, and your family being Chiefs fans. But those those years when we've watched as, as Seahawks fans, of course, you want your team to be in it. But there is an, an emotional release that happens when you aren't, and you can just sort of. Take in every element of the day. You don't have to be glued to the television and feel like you want to pull your hair out and you know throw up constantly because mm-hmm. it, it's so exciting.
2: Text coming in here from the three three six Tide commercial. That's my favorite. Oh, yeah. Five four one. The GoDaddy uh, web uh, commercials were unexpected the first year. Mm-hmm. Four two five. love the Budweiser frogs and also the cat herders, which was a funny one as well. Herding cats always a fun statement to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean. And the performances at halftime, whoa, have they taken the next step forward. I mean, just thinking a few years ago and Beyonce and when she had the live band and bringing back Destiny's Child. And I mean, she is such an icon and diva in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. It was great to see her come out there and literally slay that, that Super Bowl performance.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think uh, you can expect nothing less from J-Lo and Shakira. They both know how to put on a show and mm-hmm. be looking forward to it tomorrow, among other things. Uh, also the football. Also the football, which, what? yeah, I know it's, it's shocking, but uh, he, we here personally, we've been, we'll be rooting for Kansas City, not just for Tay, but it's our, it's our Seahawks fandom. You can't, you mm-hmm. just can't root for the Niners. Can't do it.
2: Yeah. I think there's really only one player on the Chiefs you can actively hate. And I, by all means, feel like you can actively hate that guy. Um, So... Uh, they are a really likable team. Patrick Mahomes just feels like such a great, you know, ambassador to the game a football and leader that I'd love to see him win a title and, and be that sort of figure for years to come. So, and I know I'm biased. I know I want the Chiefs <laughs> to win, but, uh, I also, well, I, I don't necessarily want to see Sherman get burnt. I would like to see the Niners play well so that we know we were that close to beating them and that close to being a Super Bowl quality team.
1: That's a good way to look at it. Coming up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, we'll take a look at the, the path that both these teams took to the Super Bowl and what lessons the Seahawks can learn from them, which path could they more easily replicate next season, the offseason beginning now. But we'll take a look at that next on Seattle Sports Saturday.